This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning. We're, we're here without those dulcet tones of my friend Frank. <laughs> He's not even thinking about us, but we're thinking about him. We're kind of missing him. So instead of having the famous Frank Proctor on site, we have the famous David Hobson. Welcome. Good morning, Charlie. Thanks so and much for coming in. Good morning to everyone else. Yeah, it's great you're here. You've driven in from Waterloo. Author, comedian, columnist, humorist, amazing gardener. Driven in to, to keep me company. You know, I don't want to be here all by myself. No, so, I, I think it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. So before we ch- chat too much between you and I and talk about what's going on in the gardening world, the numbers to call. For local people here in the GTA, of course, the phone number is 416-360-0740. And if you're outside the GTA, it's 866-740-4740. The mantra, call early, call often, one question per caller. And I didn't bring the bell, but of course, we welcome first-time callers because first-time callers get their garden wings. Um, Before... So quick, uh, quick announcements. Today, today is the Toronto Botanical Gardens Through the Garden Gate Tour. Have you ever gone on that, David? Uh, no, I haven't. No, it, it's quite a huge tour. Uh, it's usually more gardens than anybody can actually see in one day. Uh, this year, though, I think there are 18 gardens. It is happening in the Kingsway area, so actually just on your way out of town, you could swing through. It's so well organized, though. Master gardeners in every garden, great information, shuttle bus getting you around, self-guided, of course. Uh, totally, totally fun tour and worth going on if anybody wants to get out to that. The headquarters for the tour is Our Lady of Soros Catholic School, 32 Montgomery Road in Toronto. You can get tickets at the headquarters and then head out to see some of the amazing, like super swanky I gardens. I can imagine they are in <laughs> the finest of Toronto. Exactly. Uh, Tuesday, June 14th at 7.30pm, the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society General Meeting and Judged Flower Show and free presentation by writer, author and good friend of ours, Sonia Day. She will be speaking about the untamed garden and selling books, I imagine, and also talking about her upcoming art show. She's got a, she's doing a... Um, she's quite the artist. She, she really is. is. I love her work. I know. We're going to get her on uh, the show to talk about her. She's got a show in Cambridge coming up. I believe it's in August or July, so she'll be I'm on. I'm going to, to that. I'm planning to go as well. So that's at the Scarborough Village Community Centre, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. 
Now, this is a special one, too. It's considered one of the best floral design exhibitions in Canada. It's the Triennial Flower Show, hosted by Garden Clubs of Ontario, and this year titled Art Through the Ages, A Floral Journey. It's held from June 15th and 16th at the Royal Botanical Gardens in Burlington. It's a prestigious flower show presenting the magnificent creations of over 75 Canadian and internationally recognized floral artists. Floral artists. Not just florists, floral Floral artists. artists. The event features workshops, demonstrations, and a live auction. Uh, For the first time ever, it's got a class open to Ontario elementary and secondary school students, as well as an invitational class open to national and international floral design artists. Entrance to the show is free of charge with admission to the RBG. Event times are June 15th, 10 to 8, and June 16th, 10 to 4. Next Saturday... After the show, after the garden show, I'll be heading uh, into the Scarborough area. I'm participating in the Rouge Valley Health System fundraiser called Gates Open. It's the Bluffs. And and again, it's another one of those garden tours, self-directed. But in this case, it's a home and garden tour. So not only do you get to see the unique and unusual, amazing homes that are over, you know, on the bluffs overlooking the lake, but you get to peek inside people's houses as well. And I will be speaking at 3 p.m. at the uh, headquarters for that particular Gates Open Tour. Uh, I'm going to be speaking about incredible edibles. And the uh, headquarters is the Cornell Campbell House. So come on by and say hello if you can next Saturday and participate in that tour. And I think... June 18th. I'm going to, well, i got one more. My goodness, they just go on and on. The Hamilton and Burlington Rose Society is hosting its 59th annual rose show. It's an exhibition of cut garden roses and floral design. It is staged in the brand new, we were there, Camilla and Peter Daglish Atrium at the Royal Botanical Garden Centre, located on 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. Open Saturday, June 18th from 1.30pm until 5pm and Sunday, next Sunday, June 19th from 10 to 4 Of course, the auction of the show roses happens at 3.30. Everyone is welcome to come and to exhibit. Vases are supplied. Admission is free with RBG admission. There you go. My goodness, that's enough. A lot happening in gardening. I know, can't you tell? I barely have time to finish planting. I haven't finished my planting, and you said yesterday you managed to get some mulch down. Yes. That's a good story, actually, the mulch story. But before we chit-chat anymore, we do have to go for a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk to some of our callers. Looks like Harry in Toronto will be our first caller. Coming back right after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie Dobbin and special guest David Hobson. As I mentioned, columnist, humorist, and amazing gardener. So... Let's go directly to our first caller. Harry is calling in from Toronto. Hi, Harry. Hi, Harry. Are you there? Morning, Harry. Yep. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going on? Okay, um, you mentioned before about uh, pruning lilac trees. And yeah. This is about the time, I guess, to, um, to cut the, uh, the branches back. The flowers back, if they are finished, are they all dried up and crispy? Yeah, what I want to do, though, this one's been around for a long time, 20-some-odd years. Mm. Um, and what I want to do is to, and it's grown so tall that I can hardly reach the, uh, the blooms when they do come out. And you sure can't smell them when they're way up there either. No, definitely not. Uh, it's a uh, French lilac, mm-hmm. and um, 
they're basically there are two major uh, trunks that are coming out of the bottom. Now, there are a couple of two or three leaders that are coming out now, and they're getting leaves on them and, and the rest of it. But you were mentioning um, to be able to cut one of the trunks to sort of get it to come back down again, right? Well, if there's only two main stems coming out at ground level, I would yeah. be hesitant to remove one of them because that would be such a, a dramatic change. Yeah, that's one of the change. reasons why Right. So, but you mentioned, so there are some, you do see some green growth at the bottom coming. Yeah, they're, like, they're about uh, four feet tall now, those uh, three or four stems that are coming out. And they're coming from below ground or from, from those main stems? From the, from the bottom. From the, from like, the from ground, the base, from uh, the base of the tree. Uh, are they suckers, Harry? Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, like, they're suckers in the sense that they're growing up through the soil, or they're growing off the main stems. Uh, I would imagine, if I'm correct, they're probably growing off the main stem. Okay. So again, yeah. So so yeah. You, would, you couldn't cut away a main stem because you would lose those three to four foot shoots. Exactly. But. For sure, cut away the flowers and bring down the height of the plant. I mean, I hate to kind of give a lie like a haircut, but you do have to do some thinning. Look for branches that are crossing and rubbing and causing any damage to each other. Uh, no more than a third, generally, for most shrubs. Yeah, no more pruning. Like, no more than a third should be removed at any one time. Yeah, I've done that. Um, and but the main thing I'm concerned about is that third basically is about where the branches, the flower, are at the top. The rest of it is the uh, the trunk. Okay, so so if it's ten feet tall or eight feet tall right now, bring the whole plant down by a third would be my suggestion. Okay. Okay. All it right. Should sprout again, no problem. Oh yeah, it will. Lilacs <laughs> are tough. Thank, okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Harry. And we listen to your uh, program all the time, and I am a first-time caller. Oh, I don't have the bell. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. <laughs> you have your wings. <laughs> uh, uh, we really enjoy your program. Thank you Wonderful. Thanks for that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, quickly, let's head off to Oshawa and say hello to Carolyn. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. What's going on in your garden? Hi, Carolyn. Good morning. Uh, yes, I have uh, several irises. And uh, they're a few years old now, and I have lots of green, no flowers. Did they flower last year? No. Have they ever flowered? Yes. When you first planted them, or they were flowering when you got them? No. When I first planted them, the first few year, first couple of years, I had lovely flowers. Are they crowded now, Carolyn? I've had no flowers. Okay. Are they crowded now? Have you got lots more foliage? Yes. It it may be time to divide them. Divide them? Yes. Uh Uh, When? I'd prefer to do it in fall. Yeah, August is the optimal time. <clears throat> two, August? Well, two, there's two reasons right. why irises stop blooming. Reason number one is they're buried too deep so that the rhizomes are too far underground and you just get a lot of foliage. But the more re- prevalent reason for why irises stop blooming is because they get overgrown. All right. So the center tends to die off and you've just got a bunch of quirky growth. And then you've got all the green coming up around like a big donut. So that's the old shovel, sharp shovel in early August. Dig, divide, replant, <clears throat> and expect tons more flowers next spring. Ah, all right. Okay. Okay, that's very helpful. Good stuff. Okay, thank you for, very much. Thanks for calling. Right, bye-bye. Oh, we're just going to solve every problem today. <laughs> all right, let's go to Peggy. Peggy's in Mississauga. 
Good morning, Peggy. Hi, Charlie. I have a problem with my rose bushes. Mm-hmm. They're worms. Um, they're eating the leaves, the little green ones, and they're they're getting into the bud of the rose and eating oh, yeah. it out before it even blooms. I hate those little guys. They're, they're oh, on mine. They're just a killer. <laughs> they're on mine too, Peggy. Too much. I squish them with my fingers as soon as I find them. But what can I do to get rid of them? Well, both both David and I are looking at each other and going, "Yep, we know exactly what you're talking about because we have the exact same issue on our roses." No cure. Pick and squish, like you like you recognize. Yes. And I, that's how I always first see them. I, I suddenly go, "Oh, that leaf isn't oval. There's a, there's a, something missing off that leaf." And sure enough, you look closely, and there's that little green larva right there along the edge or the margin of the leaf. Or in a circle where you choo can choo choo find choo, it. saying goodbye to half your leaf, and like you say, even the buds. Mm-hmm. Pick and squish, or Pick you and squish. you can use. Um, it's called Bug Be Gone by Scotts. Yeah, um, insecticide. Insecti- spray yeah and but follow the instructions on the spray the spray will work as long as you follow the instructions and very importantly do not use it at high noon on your roses when the sun is shining on a hot day I like to rinse off after about 20 minutes yeah. too yeah because the spray kills the bugs but it can be quite hard on the plants as well what about water and soap no well, that's what the soap spray is, but it, you, not detergent. If you want to make your own, you've got to get a hold of soap, liquid soap, mixed. Oh, it's soap from the uh, nursery? That's right. They have, they have, like, safer soap. Any of the insecticidal soaps are mixed up in such a way that the soap will kill the insects, but will also hurt the plants if you leave it on for too long. Oh. Can, can burn the new foliage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems to be no help. They yeah. do tend to pass after a little while um, another few weeks you won't see much of them no that's right this is just the larval stage of the soft fly and so it will pupate and move on and we won't see it again uh, you'll it's, probably still get your roses blooming eventually you'll oh. get new buds yeah it all it all works out because the bugs don't last for very long every but, summer is the same yeah story. they're just peaking right now okay then. all right well, just be gone is what i'll go for all right you thank you very much you're very welcome thanks Bye. for calling Okay, so let's go to. Oh, we have to. Do we have to do a break, Justin? We do. He's nodding at me. Oh, I just. There's so many things I want to talk to David about. We got callers, and oh my God, we need more time. Let's go to a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. So here's a question for you, David, my special guest, David Hobson, joining me today. So listen, you're just back from Chelsea, the Chelsea Garden the Show. Amazing Chelsea Flower Show. Oh, just so jaw-dropping as ever. Jealous. I'm so yes. jealous. So tell our listeners, some of them might not know what the Chelsea Garden Show is. It's the most prestigious, biggest, most amazing garden show in the world. They call it a flower show, but it's a flower and garden. There's usually, it's on 11 acres. Wow. In, in London, In right? London, right in the heart of London, close to the Thames in Chelsea. And there are usually about 17 or so big show gardens, which are almost the size of a suburban backyard, easily, I would say. Wow. Then some smaller show gardens, too. And these gardens cost as much as, oh, half a million or more. Just to install. Just to install. How long do they have to install those gardens? They have three weeks to get them ready. Yeah, yeah. They're only on show for five days. That's all. 
and it's so prestigious. Immaculate. Yeah, not just anybody can build a garden at Chelsea. You got to go through a lot of hoops to to be allowed. Oh, you to have to find a sponsor. First. Yeah, but. Usually, the big, well-known designers like uh, Andy Sturgeon, Diamond Gavin, uh, Clive West, they have no problem finding... A bank or somebody to sponsor. Yes, banks, uh, chains of retirement homes. Mm. In in fact, sometimes they will take a garden and move it after the show to one of their uh, facilities. Yeah, that's the best. I mean, I remember that happening at Canada Blooms a couple of times where a sponsor would pay for a garden for Canada Blooms and it would then move to their head office. And uh, and that's, that's, you know, so much work goes into the creation of those gardens. Then there are all the new introductions of plants and flowers, the the ground marquee, as they they call it. It's a temporary building, Mm -hmm. size of two football fields filled with flowers and plants. And And they're perfect. The the late... there is not a petal with a mark on it. I know. And like you said, like people are like they're sweeping, like everything. They're combing the grass. Com- they're combing the grass, I yes. Know. Everything is just like. So, and you were there on the media day. I was, press day. I managed to scoop a press and, pass this year. And you and the Queen wandered around together, did you? No, they clear everyone out before the Queen comes. At least they clear all the lesser mortals out. I was going to say the riffraff, yes. <laughs> the press. <laughs> But the Queen does go and press oh, day, every, doesn't uh, she? Yes, and, and lots of celebrities too. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, it's a place to see and be seen mm-hmm. because it's the first of what they call the, the first social event of the season wow. in London. Did you wear like a tails and a top no, hat? No, because I was one of the press mob. <laughs> but people were well, dressed up to the nines, I some know. of them. And some of them in colorful outfits, flowery dresses. and uh, yeah. well, A lot of media people that I wouldn't recognize. Right. Right. But it's international. I mean, it's huge. Oh, it is and, incredibly and that's, huge. You've been there before. That wasn't your first time. I've been seven times. I think this Whew. was eight. But I've always gone with the garden group before. Oh, uh, okay. So this when is it's a f- little more crowded, but it the crowds don't matter because it's just such a a jaw dropping sight. Yeah. So probably better for taking photographs this time, though, with fewer people. It, it was, but I've always managed to get good photographs. Yeah. Unlike Canada Blooms, you do not walk through the gardens, so there's right. no, no lining up to walk through them. Right. You, they're open on three sides at least, or you, well, three, two to three sides. So you shuffle your way to the front, and you have a clear view of the gardens. Right. And there's nobody in there interfering with your shot. No, there's rarely anyone in unless uh, they're doing an interview with a designer, for instance. Oh, okay. But typically, the gardens are empty of people. Hmm. Yeah, that's just interesting. So that keeps the gardens more pristine, probably. Absolutely. Uh, yes, yeah, you can imagine uh, 160,000 people trekking through the garden. Five days, 160,000. <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow, they do these. control it. They cap, they cap the number. That's right. Yeah, oh, they only f- sell so many tickets. That's yes. right. Yes, yeah. it is limited. Yeah. And uh, you have <laughs> to buy tickets in November or join a garden tour group. Yeah, yeah. Or join the Royal Hort Society. Don't yes, join the Royal Heart Society. There is a Members Day also. Right. I believe that's the Tuesday. Press Day was Monday. Tuesday is uh, Member Day. Mm. And then it's Riff Raff. Then it's Riff Raff. Wow. <laughs> very cool. I'm very jealous. One of these days I'm going to get a chance to go. You must. All right. Well, Bucket list. But exactly. Bucket list is true. All right. Let's go off to Wellington. Wellington, which I imagine we're talking Prince Edward County here. Richard in Wellington is calling. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Good morning. How are Hi, you? Hi, Richard. I'm well. How are you? Fine, thanks. I have a plant, or I shouldn't say a plant, it's a weed grow, sprout, slowly spreading throughout my lawn. And I'm trying to, I've been trying a number of things to get rid of it and haven't been successful yet. I was hoping you could help me. 
It has little white flowers on it. It looks like miniature uh, morning glories, about an inch in diameter. And the leaf on it, it's like a vine almost. Yeah, it's that heart-shaped leaf? Um, yeah, uh, well, I'd call it an arrow shape because okay. it's very long and narrow. But it's, uh, yeah, heart-shaped, you could say yes. I think it's bindweed. What is it? Sounds like bindweed. 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 How do you get rid of it? I've Ooh. tried things like um, wheat be gone. It doesn't seem to touch it. No, uh, since we have the pesticide ban, uh, you won't find anything that will kill it now in, no. the, in the form mm. of a spray. Um, the problem is when you pull it, you can get some of the root, but not all yeah. of the root, right. and it grows back from that little piece of Is it of a big root. lawn, Richard? Um, no, it's a fairly small one, but so, it's still, there's big patches of it, and mm. it's quite heavy in those patches, and it's not that beautiful, you might say. Yeah. The flowers are, but uh, once they're gone... <laughs> if it's but, limited to one section, you could dig that section out completely and resaw like it. you mean, it? Yeah. Or what I might be inclined to do, if it is really that controlled in areas, is do the solarization thing with dark plastic. Yeah, works too. Tarpaulin over top. I mean, it'll kill everything beneath the tarp. But right, if it's including that, the grass, though. Yeah, that's then, right. Yeah, it will kill... the grass. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have suggested that to get rid of a complete lawn that is totally overrun with weeds. Yeah. That's about the only solution. Because, uh, I mean, it's one thing if, you know, to just sort of stay on top of the digging, but like you said, you've been trying and trying, and if it's quite concentrated in certain areas, I'd be inclined to, yeah, just kill the entire area rather than fighting with it. Because remember, as it's flowering, it is potentially tossing more seeds oh, around right. and starting yeah. more bindweed. Mm -hmm. So the sooner you can stop the flowering and control, you know, start controlling the actual plants, the better off you're going to be. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I had one other quickie, if I could. Oh, no, sorry. Nope, okay. Patrolman Proctor's not here. I have to be him. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. <laughs> call early, call often. One question for caller. So do call back, because now that Richard's off the line, a line opens up. And we are going to head back to Toronto. Margaret's on the line. Good morning, Margaret. Morning, how are you? Excellent, how are Good. you? First time caller. Oh, dingle, 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 welcome. You get your wings. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I have an outdoor hibiscus that's uh -huh. not leafing now for two years. Uh, we had transplanted it uh, two falls ago, and um, it leafed very late last spring, summer, and it's not leafing now, but when I scratch the bark, it's still green. So mm. it's, we're talking about a Rose of Sharon? Yeah, Tree, yeah, the sure. hardy is it called hardy hibiscus? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and how long have you had that plant? Uh, we've had it several years. It grew really good for about three or four years, and then we transplanted it to another place. Mm -hmm. This past fall, you transplanted? Not the fall before. Okay, and did it leaf last year? I didn't catch very, that. very late. No flowers. Very, um, very oh. small leaves. It, they eventually they do showed leaf. up. They do leaf out late, but um, should be well out by now. Yeah, doesn't sound good. Uh, when you transplanted it, was there anything going on that might have, like, I'm just sometimes the transplanting is done in such a way that the plant is so stressed it doesn't survive the transplanting. Um, we it was still with leaf when we transplanted it, and then after that we noticed they were slowly dying. Mm -hmm. It's in lots of sun. Yes. And it's in a fairly fertile, well-drained soil. Yes. All I would suggest you can do right now is cut it back. Prune it back and try and force it out of dormancy just by pruning even an inch off of the tip of every branch. Okay. Uh, and try and force it out. You can also, have you fertilized at all since you, you transplanted? 
Um, I don't think so, no. So one of the things I recommend when you transplant, particularly a fairly established plant, because you know we leave roots behind when we dig. We try to take as many roots as we can, but we always leave some behind. Mm -hmm. So transplanter fertilizer, quick start, root booster, bone meal, any of those high phosphorus amendments will help get the, get the roots growing first okay. when we transplant. So uh, since you didn't do that, it's been there for almost like a year and a half now, mm-hmm. I would just go in there with a regular tree and shrub fertilizer now because it is still spring. And again, just to encourage that, the, the growth to get going. Okay. Uh, if it doesn't look like much in the next month or so, I'd give it up and replace it. Okay. All okay. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I was jumping down in the wrong order here. So now we're going to go to Kitchener, your stomping ground, David, and talk to Hal. Good morning, Hal. Hi, Hal. Hal, you're for taking a call there. My pleasure. Look, I'm a, I'm a lupin lover. Mm. I, uh, I brought seeds back from PEI for eight or ten years now and grow my own lupins at home. Mm-hmm. Sounds lovely. Are you still there? We're here. Yes, Sounds lovely. Here. Yeah, okay. No. Um, and, and the problem is, this year, for whatever reason, there's tons of those little white aphids. And they oh, attack yes. the flower stem and they kill it. Now, I've tried insecticidal soap and all that stuff, and I followed the directions. It kills the plant, too. You're saying, oh, yes. Are you familiar with this, David? Yes. Uh, they do tend to attract aphids, lupins. I've, I've yeah. lost them to aphids, too. But uh, the insecticidal spro- soaps can be a little harsh sometimes on plants. Yes. I, if, if you're willing to do it, it's to go out every morning and blast them off with a hose. And, and that's just straight water. Straight water. Well, that's yeah. what they said over at Rockway. Since you're from Waterloo, you'll know where Rockway Gardens are. Yes, I do. Now, theirs are all affected as well. But they're not using soap, so they're in better shape than mine. <laughs> hmm. Well, but anyway, that, that's my only suggestion. There is bless them with the, with the water. I guess my main question is: Will they come back next year? The same plants that are affected now, will they come back and grow next year? Insects tend to go in cycles. You can have a bad year and a good year. I, I had one year. I grow roses as well, and I've had aphid problems on roses. Then I've had a year when I have not a single aphid. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never had them in eight or ten years, as I said. Right. It takes three, four years, as you know, from a seed mm-hmm. to start growing mm-hmm. a, a mother plant. Yeah. I, I I've think never that, had the problem. I think that your plants will survive. Oh, and good. And I think we'll cross our fingers that you will not have the aphid problem in such a big way next year. Okay. But, but you're right. David's suggestion of the water... Um, I always think it's so funny. It's like you're it's bla- than the soap, maybe. well, you're blasting the bug off, but where yeah. are you blasting it to? Like, what's on the well, other side? The they go down, then they come back in by the next morning. Oh, yeah. I don't think they'll climb back, back up. Back up the, the, the stem. Well, they they'll grow wings sometimes too. They can well, move yeah. around. Those horrible well, they fly aphids. from yeah. So, there are a certain number of them that have wings, and and they fly around mm-hmm. and find another plant. Mm-hmm. They're about and, the worst thing uh, if it's in many ways because they, they they give birth practically after they're born. Yeah, they're just yeah. continuously producing. Yeah. But when you blast them off, they're not likely to crawl back up the plant. Just new ones will emerge. New from ones will. <laughs> Eggs will hatch as we so speak. They'll be okay for next year, though. I think so. <laughs> I I think there's a good chance that you know the the root is still alive. The so don't pull them all out and throw them away. I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't. I'd okay. Assume, I appreciate your help. Assume that they're going to still be there. 
Yeah. Okay. Let us know how that works out, Hal. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Take care. You too. All right. Um, I think right now we should probably go for a break because I'll start chit-chatting and then we'll miss our break time. Is that a good idea, Justin? All right. Let's do that. And we'll be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we are. I've got a special guest, David Hobson, in the, gar- in, the, in the garden, in the studio. We were just saying, you know, you can't, you can't have a garden without bugs, right? There's it's, no such thing. It's, it's impossible. Right? It, it, whether it's a good bug or a bad bug, you're going to have bugs. Once, up, once upon a time when you could aerial spray backyards with Oof, DDT. Diazinon or something. Diazinon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which people did. You know, the fogger. Yeah. Okay, kids, let's have, go outside for a barbecue. First I'll fog and then we'll yeah. sit down. Yeah, that's not the, the way anymore. So there's going to be bugs. So my sort of mantra and all that is go and take a walk in your garden every single day. So Absolutely. that uh, dandelion pops up, dig it out. A problem emerges, you start seeing leaves have holes in them, you're on it early. You can be have a problem, but you can solve that problem if you're on it early before the whole garden is decimated. Uh, and for bugs on plants, I sometimes recommend the five-step approach. Yeah. Take five steps backwards, and the problem disappears. <laughs> Take your glasses off, the problem disappears. Yes. <laughs> Same idea, I guess. <laughs> okay, sounds very, very clever. Let's go talk to Sophie in Hamilton. Good morning, Sophie. Good morning, Sophie. Good morning to both of you. Thank you. Charlie, um, transplanting perennials, mm-hmm. once they stop blooming, like lily of the valley, daffodils, flocks, allium, when is the best time to transplant them? Well, I think you kind of know the answer to this. Once they stop blooming, like early spring bloomers are yes. typically transplanted now. Uh, fall bloomers, like, um, like sorry, sorry, like or, or in the fall. Peonies, for example, we typically will transplant in the fall. In the fall. So we, we kind of transplant them in the season that's opposite to their bloom time. So spring bloomers are fall transplanted. Fall bloomers are spring transplanted. Fall bloomers are... Okay. Does that so make sense? All these plants now that have stopped blooming, mm-hmm. I can actually dig them up and put them elsewhere. You can. I can. You can. Except the peony. I'd wait a little longer for the peony. But keep in mind, we are getting into the hot days of yes. summer. So yes. even though it is technically still spring, we're getting into late spring. And gosh, even today they're talking about 37 degree humidex or some such thing. So that uh, transplanting in severe heat can be very, be very hard on plants. Okay. So that's why fall, we typically have little cooler temperatures. So if you can hold off your transplanting to the fall, that would potentially be better. Be better. Or okay. transplant now, but don't be planning on any two-week holidays in the next month uh, or give so. Give them a little shade. I've even put a propped an umbrella over yeah. a plant that I've had to move. Yeah. Okay. I, I so. prefer to do it in spring or fall, but um, they have to be watered well and soil kept reasonably moist. But yes, give them some shade. Uh, when the the sun's beating down, yeah, they go hard in on them. Yeah. And you're right. Like, it, and you've got to keep the soil moist, so you don't do transplanting and then go away to the cottage. You've right. got to be. You've got to be at home. To stay oh. on top of the watering. Okay, that okay. sounds wonderful. Good Thank stuff. you very much. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, our next caller is Rosemary from Fort Erie. Good morning, Rosemary. Good morning, Rosemary. Good morning. 
Um, I was listening to the lady with the roses mm-hmm. and her green bugs. Mm-hmm. My sister-in-law had called earlier in the week and told me that I should use garlic water on mm-hmm. my roses. Yeah. Last night, I was watching the special on the Queen, mm-hmm. and they were showing the Queen's rose gardens. Mm-hmm. And she has hundreds. Yes. And they said she only likes organic in her garden, and all the gardeners only spray with garlic water and they showed those green bugs on her roses and they had huge big tractors with the big tanks behind and they were going up and down the rows spraying all the roses with water and garlic powder really i don't know if it works because i haven't tried it yet well no i have i remember one time i was given a spray that was actually a bottle spray it was a garden it was exactly what it was it was garlic in water and I don't know the I don't know the proportions how you, how you mix it, yeah. but I thought if huh. the queen's doing it yeah. in the garden, well, it, it might be royal garlic. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Probably. But I just thought it was. I had to tell you. Yeah, no, it, that's a good point. It and can possibly work. Uh, the problem with a lot of sort of homemade homemade remedies, there's no real scientific. I know. Research done on them, so you can't always be sure. No, but maybe no, if you I solve know. the and problem, that that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. But bugs will be bugs. You're right. Mm. Uh, so far, I've been having a terrible time with thrip, and mm. this year my roses are spectacular. Oh, nice. Good Last to hear. year I didn't even get some roses. So mm. anyway, I just thought I'd pass that along. Thank Who knows? You. If Thank the queen you. does it. It's- and it works in her thousands of gardens. I'm sure it would work on my tens of roses. <laughs> they yes. may not be telling the queen what they're really doing, though. <laughs> she might not, not know what's I in that know, tank. But, but it was, I just thought, well, who knows? I got it from two sources. So, All uh, right. Good. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's great. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, and, you know, you've heard of companion planting, of course. Yes. And garlic is a famous companion to roses for, yes, you're right. for that reason. That's, that's right. So that's yeah, right. so that yeah. uh, that's the connection there as well. Garlic is not a tasty plant to most bugs. So you surround any any susceptible plant with garlic, and for sure the bugs shouldn't find the susceptible plant. Yeah. If it well, works for you, you I say carry on doing it. Carry exactly. Oh, so thank thanks you. again, Rosemary. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. And let's see where are we now. We are going to talk to Phyllis. Is calling us from Alliston. Good morning, Phyllis. Good morning. What's going um, on oh, here, I'm please. calling in regards to my, I don't know if that's the right, correct name for it, but it's um, corkscrew uh, hazel tree. Is it a hazel? Um, that's what I don't know. Oh. Okay. The only other corkscrew typically is willow. Yes. What shape okay. are the leaves? Uh, they're they're kind of wrinkled. Mm-hmm. The leaves are kind of wrinkled. I don't know yes, if even that, that sounds like hazel. Are they a green or a, a sort of a purple version? Okay, yeah. they're green. Yeah. They're green. Yeah. There are okay, now two. there are not so many coming now. Should, mm-hmm. Is it just too maybe soon to tell? Because it, we, since we had that um, that uh, freeze, mm-hmm. I was kind of worried that it might kill a little, you know, some of the branches on that. How long have you had the plant? Oh, well, I've been here for 12 years, so I don't know how long before that. <clears throat> I have a corkscrew hazel, uh, Phyllis. Uh, it's a beauty right now, and I've, <laughs> I've had one in the past that died, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're not a long-lived Yeah, I was going to say, show, about 20 shrub. years. Yeah. About every 20 years, you've got to replace them. They just up and die. They just uh-huh. don't make it through the winter. <clears throat> and I believe it might have been scale insect that seems to attack these, these shrubs. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's what happened with mine. 
So okay. I, with my, my latest one, I, I give it the dormant oil spray in spring. You do, just to try and avoid any Early spring, infestations. Yes. Hmm. Well, there doesn't seem to be as many leaves on it, but I had that problem last mm. spring, too. That it was, but it it, was it, thin, it, you mean, small leaves. Me? Last year you had very few leaves as well? Yes, hmm. and this year, too, they're, they're, the branches are, like, as the, you know, all curled and that, mm. and I don't touch it, I don't cut it or nothing like that, mm. but there's just a few leaves on it, not as bushy as it uh, was. So. Yes, it may be in decline. I, I, I would say top dress around it with compost now and hope okay. for the best, but um, you may be losing it eventually. Yeah, for sure. Then I can just probably replace it. How long do they take to grow if you buy them at the nursery? Oh, they're not a slow grower. Uh, my current one is about eight feet high, seven feet right. high. And it's this about, is about eight feet high. Yeah, yeah, mine was about five or six years old, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, And good quality soil. But I think the top dressing is a good idea. And look closely for any unusual bumps or insects on the plant. Yeah. Okay. Take, take a really so what close look. what did you look. suggest for me to spray on it? The something? dormant oil spray. You buy it in a kit at okay. your garden center in late winter, early spring. Right. Okay, so I can do it now? No, no. The no, plant no. has to be dormant, so no dormant. leaves. Oh, okay. So March, April, uh, and I it is see. called a dormant. Okay. Yeah, it's horticultural oil and lime sulfur. Okay, so it's, too, it's too late then. Okay. You could do it in the fall once the leaves drop, once the plant is dormant in October, November, or wait until next spring. But okay. it, is, it is done when the plant's dormant, okay? It's one of the okay, few uh, you things you can use under the Pesticide Act, is yep. the dormant okay. oil spray. Yeah. Have a nice day. Thanks so much Thanks for your call. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there, not only Charlie Dobbin, but also David Hobson is here with me in the studio. Are you having fun? I'm having a lot of fun, Charlie. This is great. so glad you came. It's just been, uh, you know, if I was here all by myself, it'd be like me and Justin. It's way better that you're here. So thanks again for coming. All right, let's head off to Binbrook, talk to Evelyn. But first, Evelyn, tell us, where is Binbrook? (laughs) It's uh, um, near Stony Creek. Oh, yeah. It's south of Stony Creek on Highway 56. Gotcha. Okay, what's going on at your place? Well, I have a white substance all over the leaves of my peony, and I'd like to know what it is and how I get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Is your peony in full sun? How many hours of sun does it get? Uh, a fair amount. Uh, it's in sun right now. Uh, I have early morning sun right through the late afternoon, mm. but it's a bit of shade, too, because I have a like a chokecherry bush, mm-hmm. and it's quite full of leaves right now so this shade from time to time if you sounds like well sounds do yeah powdery mildew could you rub that off like if you uh took your thumb and rubbed the leaf would the white stuff come off Have you... Uh, um you know actually i tried that and then yesterday i did a little bit of soap and water and watched i was doing each leaf individually mm-hmm. and it looked like it was clearing off and then i noticed this morning there's a bit more coming back Right. Yeah. Soap is not a good thing for, if it is a powdery mildew. Okay. Uh, fungal funguses actually love soap. <laughs> they'll uh, they'll actually thrive in a soapy environment. So, okay. what I would do is um, go to my local garden center or you know Home Depot Canadian Tire, and pick up what a spray which will say garden fungicide. It will be sulfur based spray. 
You're going to follow all the instructions. You're going to remember that fungal diseases cannot be eradicated. They can only be treated. That's right. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to stop the spread of this disease, but you're not going to see it just magically disappear before your eyes. Okay. New leaves that emerge should be safe and healthy. It's the existing leaves which may have the mildew on them, which will continue to have the mildew. And those leaves may turn brown and shrivel up and blow away. But meanwhile, new leaves will come up. Do you have lots of air circulation around that? Uh, yes, that yes. You do? I, I don't often see problems with yeah. powdery mildew on peonies. Particularly in June. It seems yeah. so early in the season to be having it, something an issue with that. Uh, it couldn't be something, you know, it's not like somebody's stuccoing in the neighborhood or painting or something. It couldn't be no, anything no. like that. It's, no, okay. It's uh, definitely right in the leaves. Wow. Uh, and, and almost like where it's starting again this morning where I did do a little bit of washing, it's almost like a star-like hmm. uh, spot. Like hmm. It looks like a little star, you know. Hmm. Interesting. And, but some of the other leaves that are fully covered, it looks just like a white powder. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, there you go. I just uh, quickly went to a website that is www.gardeningknowhow.com. And okay. what comes up is peony leaves turning white, fixing a peony with powdery mildew. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I guess it isn't that unusual, though I frankly haven't seen it very often myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that quickly is treating is, as David said, good air circulation will always be a, a, the way to go. And lots of sunshine helps avoid mildew problems. Having dry leaves as the sun goes down is important. So do your watering early in the day, not late in the day, because Wet leaves in the dark are often very susceptible to uh, fungal diseases as well. All right. All right. Well, I'll go into the garden center today and pick up that garden fungicide and get working on it. All right. Thanks for your call. My other peony is perfectly fine. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Well, thank you for your help. Our pleasure. All right. Well, we have a few very few short minutes left and David Hobson tell us a little bit about you have a website you have a humor garden the humor garden website. humor website <laughs> it's, I call it a heritage website it's been on the internet since uh, 1998 wow it, it just rolls around now but lots yeah. of fun stuff there and that, that's it's triple w garden uh, what is it davidhobson.ca oh okay yep. davidhobson.ca that will get you there and you continue to add to it uh, not too much. I write other blogs. Oh, okay. Uh, I have a couple of blogs, one on garden travel and one on uh, my own garden. Okay, and we can find links to those through davidhobson.ca as well. Yes, you can. And you have a couple of published books. Um, yeah, they've been around a while, but uh, there's nothing like them. Diary Fictional of, garden humor. With Diary of a Mad Gardener? Is that what it is, the it's book you brought me? It's a year in the life of a mad, passionate, committed, <laughs> or should-be gardener. <laughs> there you go. Not so, me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you've given me a copy of it. Thank you very much. I'm going to enjoy that. And you're also a weekly columnist, right? You d- yes, for the Waterloo Region Record, and I also write for Grand Magazine, too. And you do videos. I've seen some videos. Yes, in cooperation with Matt McCarthy at the Record, uh, we've been making gardening video- videos. The latest was on mulching. Excellent. Was so, that the one you made yesterday? Yes. So if you can find your way to the uh, Waterloo Region Record website, you might be able to find me. Oh, very good. Thanks again for being here and hope to have you back sometime fun. soon. Thanks, Justin. Thanks to all our great callers. See you again. Thank you. Next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.